The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Time to play with pain, where sports and inaccuracy collide. Now, here's your host, veteran sportscaster and the voice of the International Speed Fishing Championships, Jet Waterhouse. Oh, brother. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. My guest today, one of the hottest young stand-ups out there. Crushed his network television debut on Conan, and one of only two Jews recognized by the United States Collegiate Hockey Association, Alex Edelman. Good to be here. Man, oh man, oh man, good to have you Oh, brother, hang on. Almost forgot the update. First, the Waterhouse update, brought to you by Spelling Bees. The bees that don't just make honey, they pronounce it phonetically and ask for it to be used in a sentence. Playoff hypnosis. NBA warriors spank the Pelicans like a Japanese businessman at a Dutch brothel. Finally dawns on Utah, Alex. Uh-oh, we're from Utah. Down 3-1. James Harden sidelined when his beard erupts, spewing molten lava and noxious gases. Cavs strolling through Toronto like honeymooners from Saskatoon. Boston making Philly look like the NBA's version of a tribute band. Over to the NHL, Bruins are out. Oh, brother, that stinks. They got shoved around like a rodeo clown with sciatica. Vegas, like a sales clerk who thinks you might be shoplifting. They just keep coming at you. That playoff hypnosis brought to you by Hypnosis. Get rid of those redneck tendencies once and for all with Hypnosis. The most exciting two minutes in sports. Me making love? No, the Kentucky Derby justify wins over, I don't know, uh, mollify, rationalize, and excuse maker. South America's pastime baseball. Yankees Domingo Herman threw six no-hit innings, but then was deported. Tough break for the struggling Yanks, who are only 14 over 500. And finally, golf. Jason Day wins the Wells Fargo at Quails Hollow. Or is it the Quail Hollow at Wells Fargo? Let's just say he's not selling his plasma anytime soon. This Waterhouse update brought to you by Nothing in Commune. The commune for total strangers. It's in Oregon. (laughs) Now let's get to it. Time to talk with comedian Alex Edelman. Oh, man. How you doing, brother? Good. We were just talking before the show about how that's hard to beat. Oh, the update? Yeah. I tell you, you know, if you get the right sponsors, it sails right by. Sure. I can't knock my sponsors. 15 bucks a pop unless I screw it up, and then it's only seven fifty. <sighs> that plug for my sponsors brought to you by ukuleles. Make any music sound unimportant with a ukulele. <laughs> now, we're, we're going to get to the stand-up portion, but uh, most importantly, you're New England, born and bred. Can the Celtics' improbable run offset the pain of the Bruins' demise? I think the Bruins could pull it out. <laughs> you still got hope. I still got I believe, baby. I believe Bobby Orr is in the building. Four to one, that's nothing. That's the seven. We can do it. No one tell me math. That's Phil Esposito with the game winners. Yeah. They're going best as of nine, as they, whether Tampa Bay likes it or not. 
<laughs> as soon as as soon as they put some skates back on Ray Bork and Eddie Shore's corpse, we're gonna have a real series. Uh, Patrick Waugh injured. They got a chance. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> that had to sting though, because you're hockey. It is. You like played hockey. Jewish kid playing hockey. Yeah. How'd that happen? I was really into. Uh, I was really into it. I was really into. Um, How'd you explain to your parents? Uh, my parents made me do it. Wow. My dad made me do it. You know why? I was not to be not to have a sad sob story. But no, I, let's uh, go for it. What the heck? I was born with. Uh, I had to wear braces on my legs for the first few years of my life. Oh, um, brother, like walked. that uh, box of chocolates movie. Yeah, the box of chocolates. Yeah, shuck a lot. Um, no, but, uh, not that. That was where the lady made love on the hot stove. You're right. Yeah, I think that was that. And then there was the other uh, making love chocolate movie. That was Belgian. Belgian chocolates, I think it was called. Girl's Trip? What's the, no, the Forrest Gump? Forrest Gump. There's a Forrest Gump. I had a wear. Give me enough time. You know, my Statman Jimmy's off this week, so I got to grab for all this stuff on the cobwebs in my own brain. Statman Jimmy. My Statman Jimmy. So now, Seven. so your dad made you do it? My dad made me do it because Smart I wouldn't man. wear the braces. So he went, skates are natural braces. And my mom was like, he's going to fall a lot. My dad was like, eh, it's the 90s. Well, they can fall. <laughs> they can fall. It's so funny. My, my dad's a physician, but he's one of those guys who's like, the kids are strong because they played in dirt when they were two months old. You know? <laughs> Got, you know those parents got like a little old school in them, <laughs> yeah. does he? If you survive, <laughs> your playmates are a Rottweiler and a can with tetanus on it. <laughs> I'm telling you, you know when uh, you uh, when I was a kid, if I'd have got hit by a car and dragged for a mile, the first thing my dad would have said is, "Did you rip your jeans?" Oh yeah, yeah. We can't afford another pair, buddy. That's exactly. I split my chin open uh, rollerblading because during the summer, no ice rollerblade. And he split my chin up yeah, with The braces aspect of, uh, yeah. of skates kind of gets diminished with rollerblades. Yeah, rollerblades. <laughs> I'm like, no, they're therapeutic. <laughs> Frank Mike Your dad can literally say anything as a doctor, and yeah. you have to buy it. Yeah, no, I had to. My mom brought me to ballet. My mom's strategy was wow. ballet. I'd be like, ah, I'll be good for him. I learned to, I learned to turn his legs the right way. I was the only boy in the class. And during the recital, I uh, you had I to do the recital. You I made it all the, the way to the recital. I did make it all the way. I was no, the bro, only there's boy no in the class. This element, kid. Yeah, he I took it to anything. the finish. But people were like, "Why? Why do you do you play hockey?" I was like, "Because it was either that or fucking Swan Lake. <laughs> it was ballet. It was ballet. I loved it. I loved hockey, not ballet. I loved. <laughs> loved I'm glad it. you clarified. I was a yeah. little muddy there. But I was a big Bruins fan. Huge share birth there with Bobby Orr. He's a little older, but like, yeah, yeah. March twentieth. Big, big, big Bruins fan, and uh, yeah, I've always been a sports guy, though, always. So you snuck into uh, hockey, sort of through the back door, your dad said, hey, that'll be good for your legs, and I'm a physician, even though he was probably like an ophthalmologist or something, didn't know anything about legs. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't know anything, he's a cardiologist, but he doesn't know anything about legs, but <laughs> no. still, it was great. I talked to somebody at the hospital, he said, this would be good for you. <laughs> That's but crazy. But it worked. It worked. It worked. Here you are. No braces. No braces. You play high school? Played. Uh, I played for the. Bo- I went to a yeshiva Jewish high school, so we didn't exactly have the you didn't means. Have a, a full to- hockey team. <laughs> no, no. We you had, had to- seven goalies and one forward. No, those mouth guards aren't kosher, so none of us were able to play. <laughs> yeah, hard to hard to get those blessed. Yeah, the hechsher on those is uh, it's too much. I don't trust. But yeah, they. You know, they put half. It's half milk on the top and half meat on the bottom, so you can't do it. 
<laughs> no way. Yeah. That's what they painted them with, that yeah. little kosher sign. That's not intimidating That's right. on a mouth guard. No, That's why there are no Jews who play hockey. They're not, they're not afraid. They're just, uh, they're just really religious. Yeah, now you're the, clearly the funniest uh, hockey player ever. I mean, second place is like Martin Brodeur. Giant gap between you and him. Oh, yeah. You're French, super funny. French Canadians. Maybe, what could go wrong? Yeah, Norm Cherry, maybe. Yeah, Dom Cherry. Don Cherry. Don Cherry, right. Norm Cherry is... Who's Norm Cherry? Probably a sitcom actor? No, no. Norm Cherry. Oh, well, look at... Oh, damn it. My stat man's gone. Forget it. Stat man Jake. Stat man Jimmy. Spot, bop, boss, it up. I, I might hire stat man Jake after Statman this. Stat man Jake, sorry. But, yeah, I, but uh, uh, stat man Jimmy. snake races in Mexico or something. I don't know what this young kid's up to. So listen, to me, you're like the Louis Tiant of comedy, even though you're young, because I don't know which direction the delivery's coming from. <laughs> I subsist on a diet of hot dogs and cocaine. <laughs> You what? got the high leg kick before every joke. <laughs> yeah, they called his nickname Look was to like the a sky. Pray to God and bam! Oh my God, Louis Tiant was. By the way, he he has his own hot dog stand at Fenway Park. And he Are sits, you kidding not me? Not kidding. El Tiante, and he sits there and he signs autographs. He still got the handlebar mustache. I love it. I love that. Guy. He was unbelievable. He was unbelievable. He was a great pitcher, a, gr- a tremendous pitcher whose windup was about f- anywhere between twenty-five and forty seconds, and then he'd just lull you to sleep and throw a, a forty-three mile slurve down and down <laughs> in the dirt, and you'd swing out of sheer boredom. That's how he got to uh, his career high. I think he's in the Hall of Fame. That's how <laughs> he, he was, got there. He was, he was, uh, yeah, I worked for the Reds. You know that, right? I worked for the Red Sox for a I long time. I did not know that. You worked for the Red Sox. What'd you do? I worked for the Red Sox in PR. I worked there for five years. Worked there uh, for a guy named Charles Steinberg and then for a guy named Larry Lucchino, who, uh, yeah, worked for the Red Sox for five years from 03 to 07. What'd you do? Yeah, I wrote press releases, pregame ceremonies, and uh, had the occasional input on uh, on the way they interacted with the fans. It was a great job. Wow. Yeah, so two you World had Series. bonafide input, and what were you, like 12 at the time? I started the Red Sox when I was 13, writing the kids' newsletter. Holy smokes, that anecdote brought to you by Yo-Yo Tires. If you get stuck, just pull the string. 13? Man, I didn't know where the zipper on my pants was at 13. Now, you're, you're not even 30 yet, so the term millennial. Yo-yo tires? That means, uh, that means you're like, you have a million dollars. Millennial is a, a lot of people uh, coming down on the millennials. I don't get it. Sure. I don't get what the heat is about. I mean, it ain't, you look. It's not your fault you grew up with a phone that can, like, you know, do map everything. The, map the fastest route to Qatar. I see the criticism. While I grew up with a push mower. That's not your fault. I understand it, though. I spent $15,000 last year on avocado toast, and something is wrong. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, it's I think not it's toast with avocado on it, it's avocado infused toast. Certainly <laughs> in Massachusetts, I believe that is a, uh, a write off at both the state and federal level. Yo yo tires. Yo-yo tires. From the makers of yo-yo tampons. <laughs> no, from the makers of uh, Sweet Co's penicillin nut bar. Munch the pain away with Sweet Co. So you did a whole you did a whole stand up show at Edinburgh called uh, Everything Everything Handed to You. I've done two shows in Edinburgh. I did a show called Millennial. So you so took it head on. You just oh, yeah, said totally. It started my uh, air quotes for your listeners career. <laughs> Started my career, yeah, I did a whole show about millennials, and occasionally I have to listen to people like Adam Carolla uh, shit-talk millennials for our politically correct ways. 
Like what? <laughs> What's your politically correct? Well, words? if someone is uh, my, this is a bit of political correctness that I like. If someone uh, is uh, is not wearing a Letterman jacket after curfew, they don't get beat with sticks. So I know you used to do it differently in the olden days. <laughs> the but, olden days meaning like 22 years ago. Yeah, oh, there's millennials wanting health care. I got a free house for doing the army. <laughs> I sat at a computer in New Jersey for six months. The war ended and I got an education from Columbia because only 12 other people went. And now every millennial is like, I can't get into Harvard because they have 15,000 applications. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Crazy. I don't think I'm underselling. I think it's more than that even. I you think know. so? Yeah, I think it's that. It's tough being a millennial. It's tough. I got no health care. How am I going to buy a house? And every one of you old fucks is like, oh, my house is worth $2 million, but when I bought it in 1981, I paid 11 raspberries well, for no. it. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Wow. Well, I don't. I don't. I don't think a lot of people appreciate the value of a good raspberry. <laughs> <laughs> now, listen to me. Uh, I read this. Uh, there was sure. a publication in England that said your uh, show, everything handed to you, <laughs> was was uh, the second most well reviewed show at the Edinburgh Fest. <laughs> yeah. The, why even say that? Well, I don't get that. It's a big deal. This is a big second, deal. Why don't they just say it was fantastic? Well, number one was Hoggis Pimp. And it was just the guy. Who, no, it's, it's, yeah, it's, a, it's an Hoggis important festival. Hoggis Deconstructed. Can I tell you, that festival is the biggest festival on the planet for comedy. It is. If you get a chance, go anybody. And uh, uh, next year, the Edinburgh Comedy Festival brought to you by Scornflakes. <laughs> Openly mock nutrition with triple fat Scornflakes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do any more shows. I just want you to sit back here and give out corporate sponsors for it. Because I hear him over on the podcast. It's not nearly as funny as when you're sitting across from them. He does it with a totally straight face, as if he's getting a million dollars a plug. Well, that analysis brought to you by Gullies. When you need something smaller than a culvert but wider than a ditch, try a gully. Now, listen to me. You're doing stand-up. Here's one of the big changes, I, I believe, in modern stand-up. Uh, you, you, like, go the world. It used to be when guys would say, I'm on tour, they meant, like, I'm on tour. I'm in, like, Kansas City and then Denver and then Cheyenne. Come out and catch me. Your tour is, like, uh, Dubai and then the Cook Islands and Taipan, Australia. Then finally, maybe Nashville. No, I I was at a I was at Zanies by the airport last week, and, and uh, <laughs> is that how they're listing it in the entertainment section of the newspaper now? Zanies by the airport. No, but the A fifteen from Dallas flies pretty low over the clubs, so you yeah. got to make sure that the opener closer. eats that bullet. Yeah. <laughs> God, the early shows real rough because. Uh, uh, if the flight in from Denver is delayed, it drowns out during the check spot. It's it's it's. I do those brutal clubs too, but I love Zane. I love Zanies, by the way, back there in September downtown. Um, but like, yeah, I do those. But I also uh, the world's very small now. There's so many different comedy festivals. I was just in Australia for a month. I was just in Melbourne for a month. And you know what? It's Melbourne has 700 shows a day. Are you kidding me? 700 a day. That's this a is, lot of this fucking This is counting shows. everything, like strip shows. And yeah, sure. But most of you know, and loot. There are concerts. 120 international comedians, each doing an hour a day. And then you wow. put in the Australians. And so I'm one of them. And you take it really seriously. Because if people are going to see 
two or three hours of comedy a night from different comedians, your hour better be fucking good if it's going to stand out to them over the course of a month. What so. makes a good hour in Australia? Do you have to tailor it for the Aussies? Well, I'd kill a kangaroo live on stage with my bare hands. Man, it's that'll do hit. it. I'd pay to see that. I might fly to Australia to see that. Wow, kangaroo wrestling brought to you by Unpotable Water. The thirstier you are, the more potable it gets. <laughs> what does potable mean? Unpotable? I don't even know. I'd have to look that one up, and I, I can't, uh, I can't handle the Wikipedia Scat like Man you Garp kids. Scatman Garp has gone on vacation. Yeah, so that's that? right, Scatman Garp. <laughs> Every time we say it, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. worse. Hey, speaking of. Uh, of uh, your life getting worse, why don't you make your life get a little better? This is an actual ad. I think we might even have Mike Dawson telling us it's an actual ad. Uh, that's from True Car, the folks at True Car. Here's some useful car tips you might not be aware of. A coffee filter and a little bit of olive oil can clean your interior. Wow, man, my dad should have known that. Removing excess weight from your car can improve gas mileage, and you can place your key fob to your chin to increase the range of that little click-click. That's pretty weird. Here's another tip you also might not know, Alex. True Car also helps people get used cars. That's right. True Car in just for buying new cars with their certified dealer network and nationwide inventory of nearly 1 million used cars. You'll enjoy real pricing on actual inventory at a simpler buying experience, whether you buy new or used. And with True Car, users can see what others paid so they know if they're getting a good deal before buying. They're also more likely to enjoy a faster buying experience by connecting Connecting with True Car certified dealers. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, check out True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. Now tell me this, buddy. Your brother, uh, I don't even know how you do it, sled the skeleton. Skeleton. For uh, Israel. Yeah, in, la- in this year's Winter Olympics. I went. I went to Korea to watch him compete in the Olympics. It was crazy. Two stories here. Let's not get confused. And I'm a linear thinker, so slow down. The first is this. <laughs> Your brother, for twin brother, right? No, that's a lie for comedy. But I say on stage as my twin brother sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> what? Man, man, times have changed. Yeah. And you know this yeah, show, I, it's all about realism, so I like to bring I, I was, it. <laughs> exactly, man. I was going to say, I don't think David Brenner ever admitted to a lie in his act. Really? That was very impressive. He pretended to be funny for years. So, and <laughs> Nicely The so one thing would just bring the whole house of cards down. So he's down. close to you in years. Yeah. And, but then they, like, he bulked up or something, didn't he? He just really t- bulked up. He became a bodybuilder first. I say we used to look like twins. Now we look like a before and after photo. <laughs> He lives in Boston with two cats and no wow. neck. Near Coffee Spit Take brought to you by Rum Dingers, <laughs> the only rum ball with a caffeine booster. So this kid bulks up. Then he, then that was one sentence. That one was one <laughs> sentence. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. It's my, my brother. And then he decided he wanted to make the Olympics, and he wanted to do it for Israel because he's even more Jewish than I am. <laughs> He's so Jewish, he played hockey wow. with me, but he only he only used the top of the mouth guard. <laughs> and wouldn't eat milk for Man. three hours afterwards. Wow, that's a that's a that's a race to the to the uh He he played goalie for MIT uh MIT's ice hockey team he for did. a while. Yeah, he was really The Engineers. Yeah, we were all yes. Holy moly, yes, I know the what engineers. I'm talking about. 
Yeah, the MIT engineers. Even my really? producers impressed. Do you, do you follow? Do you follow uh, D- Division Six hockey? That's how you know. <laughs> you know big, yes. really. The Saint, right. the Saint yeah, Clements Tangerines versus the MIT engineers. That's right. The University of Chicago Violets coming on strong in the Western Division. That's right. I'm the NYU. I'm I'm an NYU. It used to be the Violets, and then they decided the Violets weren't intimidating, so they renamed it the Bobcats, which they named after. The Bopst Library Categorizing System, the <laughs> NYU Bobcats. Even, not even the animal. No. It's an actual obscure filing system. Yeah. We, our mascot, Not Kidding, was a computer for about, for about six months. <laughs> and then they decided we should actually get a real Bobcat. But they bought it from the same generic place that one of the other teams bought their Jaguar costume from. So there were two identically dressed Jaguar mascots wearing different jerseys. It's a Jaguar that's poorly laundered (laughs) is what happened there. But here's the thing that gets me. You go with your brother. Yeah. To, where was it? Pyongyang? Pyongyang. 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 If you end up in Pyongyang in front, instead of Pyongyang, that is going to be a costly mistake. Especially if you really <laughs> want a souvenir poster. I don't care what side you butter your bread on. Do not confuse Pyongyang with Pyongyang. Yeah. So you went and you like booked a gig there. Yeah, I did a show in Seoul. <laughs> Man. Someone saw me that do takes it. Take some stones. Someone saw me um, on Twitter tweet that I was going, and they said, "Hey, do you want to do a show in Seoul?" So they got together a hundred people, all of them English teachers. That's the McDonald's of jobs for Americans abroad. <laughs> Everyone there. teaches English. You're born. I was. You're qualified for the job in the states at the age of seven, and then you go overseas. And one guy was like, "I don't speak Korean," and they just think I'm a really strict teacher. <laughs> He yeah, only no. speaks English. Yeah, he's like, I got to put on my game face every day. I go in there, they're like, excuse me, and he's like, I only speak English, children. I demanded in English. He's like, I've never lied to them. I'm like, I only speak English. And they're like, this guy is committed as hell. Wow, the Vince Lombardi of Korean English teachers. Yeah. That's impressive. So yeah. now, so you go over there, you do the gig, how's the gig? How, you've worked several uh, 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 Asian rim Pacific Rim gigs. I've only I've, I've done that. I've done Japan. I've done um, I've done Australia. But you know, honestly, I wouldn't have. They're not. You can't make a living that way. I don't think you can't make a living going. But if you're, if you're there already, I was already going to the Olympics, so I thought, why not? Covered some expenses. Yeah, I'll get some Korean won. But it was uh, it was great. It was so fun. I've never been to Korea. They have a Dunkin' Donuts. There was a Dunkin' Donuts in the middle of Seoul. A Dunkin' Donuts, a very Dunkin' Donuts, with like a guy smoking a cigarette out the door. He's inside, so but he's he's it's moving. It's literally the, like a Boston Dunkin' Donuts. Yes, it was like a Boston Dunkin' Donuts. There's a dumpster three feet from the counter. A Korean woman behind the counter with a name tag that says Sully on it. Wow, you know, hey, welcome to Dunkin'. What the fuck would you like to eat? You know, you're in New England. When the Korean lady's nickname is Sully. <laughs> That's rough. Now, listen, you've worked all over. You've even opened. This is incredible. You've opened for Beck. Yeah. That's, 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 that's like me calling a Salvador Dali paint-off. That is like the, the most surreal <laughs> That is like gig. Chet. 
Waterhouse. That is wild. How was that? It was amazing. It was the best show. I did a show for him in Milwaukee. It was the best show I've ever done. At the Red, well, you, you, Chet's hometown, huh? Yeah, well, I'm near there. Uh, Cheddar Falls, Wisconsin. That's right. Oh, man, it was the best. It was the best show. He's the coolest dude. Open for Ryan Adams before that, but I really liked Not Brian Adams, the no. Canadian heartthrob. No. Uh, that's a Pyeongchang Pyongyang level mistake, <laughs> exactly. according to Ryan Adams. He gets real pissed off. <laughs> Someone at one of the Ryan's games yelled "Summer of '69," and he stormed into the audience, threw money in their face, and had them escorted from the venue. So Brian Adams could give a crap, but Ryan Adams is a little touchy about it. Well, I don't think I don't think people yell people yell Ryan Adams songs at Brian Adams shows. No one's like, "Hey, when the stars go blue, do that sad song about New York, Brian." That comparison brought to you by Pinocchio's. Nevada's only all puppet brothel. Now listen to me. I got a bona fide athletic Jew with me today. So let's get some advice for the young Jewish athletes sure. out there. I know you had it easy because you had a doctor, but how would you break it to Jewish parents that you want to be an athlete? Because that's not that common. Yeah. It's not like the Italians who came up fighting, you know, and then almost all ethnic groups. They come up, they start with boxing, and then they move into, like, baseball and football. Sure. And then their parents have enough money to send some of them to nursing school, and then it kind of uh, grows from there. Sure. Do it. Do it the way you, any child convinces their parents to get a puppy or if you're Taylor Swift, move to Nashville. You just do it with a PowerPoint presentation, a streamlined PowerPoint presentation. Slide one, <laughs> circumcision makes me more aerodynamic. Slide two. <laughs> Look at all these great Jewish athletes. They all fit on slide two. Slide Sandy three. Kovacs. Next. Next. Sandy Kovacs. <laughs> Hank Greenberg. The boxers from the 20s. <laughs> every oh, boxer from the 20s was Jewish. That's true. That is true. Every Jew had to fight to, to live. Yeah, to just live. And the five best won belts for it. <laughs> That's brutal. Yeah, they didn't let you even back in the tenement if you lost a fight back then. That was tough. Now, uh, were there any advantages to being Jewish out on the ice, hockey player? Um, yeah, I, I was terrified all of the time. <laughs> so, when I, I think, played, against, they could smell the terror. When I played against South Boston and some other neighborhoods, like in Neponset, people would really have a go, like have a go at the Jewish hockey player. So I was. I had a, I was very quick. I was. My coaches were like, "Boy, you're unnes- you're surprisingly quick for your age." And I was like, "Yeah, because I've been hit more than anyone on this team." <laughs> I remember once a referee snowed He's me. He's wily. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm afraid. Yeah. Oh God, that uh, boy. Edelman's survival instincts really kick in, make him a decent puck handler. Gretzky-like moves kept him from getting his skull whacked. Yeah. Also, small. Wow. Be small. Be if small. You want to be really skate good. Through the big bodies. Yeah, be small. Be quick. That's a good. That's good advice. For skate you. through the Dave Williams of the world. <laughs> All right. Best way to tell a wasp frat kid out on the ice to go to hell. That's a bad move. Well, the best way to do it is with with your biggest line on the ice with you. <laughs> Smart. There Smart. Was a, yes, it's a true team sport at that point. There was a kid named Rodney Gazinski. Who, of course there was. Yeah, who was on sure. our team. And I was way mouthier with Rodney on the ice. I saw Rodney hold an opponent down and do the, why are you hitting yourself to an opponent? And then the ref tried to pull him off, and he did it to the ref. And then he was suspended for three games. 
<laughs> by hitting himself. Like, Ref was 25 years old, college, like a grad student making extra money, kid from BU. And Rodney was 15, and he held him down and did a why you're hitting yourself. Our coaches had to pull him off the referee. <laughs> he wasn't even angry. He was just bored. That's impressive. Rod Gazinski, of course, now a hedge fund manager worth $6 billion. I would, I, he's either that or dead. <laughs> yeah, there's no in between for a kid named Gazinski. Sure. It's time for the Fiery Four. The Fiery Four. These are headlines, sports headlines ripped from today's uh, newspaper. If anybody uh, still bothered to read the newspaper, can the Vegas Knights, fire number one, win the Stanley Cup? Yes, they can. A hundred percent. Oh man, how great would that be? I I don't. Uh... You don't care. I don't like now it. that the now that the Bruins are out of it. Do you have any? Yeah, the Vegas Knights. I'll root for the Vegas yeah, Knights. Yeah, but they're it feels to weird to reward anything from Las Vegas. <laughs> just because they they it's take the so worst much. city they in just America. Take and take and take. It's the worst city in America. I have a theory. Why, Why is it the worst city in America? Well, I have a theory that. Every trip to Vegas is fun for four hours, but the problem is you're never sure where in your trip those four hours are going to be. Oh, so you got to stay awake the whole time. Yeah, you do. Because for <laughs> me, I right. was napping. But it's <laughs> such right. a bull. It's if New York is a city that never sleeps, Vegas is a city that fucks everyone because <laughs> it is the worst city. It's not fun. I don't understand <laughs> it. It's an amusement park that you'd never go to in a million years if it was near you. A lot of, and, bro- a lot of broken rides. Oh god, a lot of broken. rides. <laughs> <laughs> well, but this, I'll say this, if you're driving up from Los Angeles, drive at 90 to 100 miles an hour. If you don't get a ticket, bang, you're on a roll. Fire number two. You're, in, you're a New England boy. New England Patriots drama. Do you take it personally or do you let that stuff slide? The whole uh, spy gate and all the uh, inflate gate and all that stuff. Do you care? Do you bring do you, Does it cut close to your heart or do you give a crap? No, it's nice to root for the Yankees of for a little while. You know, my when I was growing up, they <laughs> wow. were, when I was growing up, they were so bad. They were oh, so the, terrible. Yeah, the sucks. The, no, I'm talking about the I'm talking about the Patriots. The Patriots, the Patriots the best, sucked. Yeah. They were awful, and then they started winning, and they have not stopped. And I do not care. Ari Shafir is another comedian who always gives me shit about the Patriots. I could not care less. If they want to go out there and murder a Miami Dolphin, I'm for it, and I can I can give them a few ideas about which Dolphin it should be. They, sure. They, they should absolutely do whatever it takes to win. And if you do it in Miami, it's just a misdemeanor. Yeah. Ask Richie Incognito. <laughs> Fire number three! Can a small market team ever win the World Series again? Is that possible? It just I mean, seems like the money's in the big cities. The Houston Astros won last year. Yeah, Houston's the fifth largest city in the country. Sure, but you know, I I think uh, like Kansas KC, City didn't Kansas it? City win a few years ago, or they put they played for it a few years ago. Yeah, I think like nineteen ninety four. No, they they were just <laughs> they may have just been out. No, we'll ask, just, we'll just, ask Scat Mantoni. <laughs> Scat Mantoni. <laughs> Scat Man Crothers. But yeah, I think, just took an axe to the chest, so he's going to be a little <laughs> slow on the stats. Oh I think a small market, <laughs> a small market team. Can definitely win, but it's got to. Uh, the way to win a World Series in baseball is money ball with money. So you need to you need to really shell out a few years in a row. But you know the Florida Marlins won two championships. That is true. Yeah, that is true. And people down there don't care about anything but eating the face off another man on a highway overpass. Fire number four. <laughs> you saw it firsthand. What do the Olympics have to do to clean up their act? Because you were telling me before we got on the air about a. Uh, 
Like uh, it's it's not as pristine as people at home would like to think the Winter Olympics are. No, it's cutthroat. And they bribe their way in. The, they to, really to, do to, too. Bid, to bidding to bidding for the uh, to bidding for the. Um, Forbidding for the games. And, and let's then, say this. We're not talking about the top four, the top 10, even the top 20. The, the real corruption happens 25 to 30 because only, they only pick like 30 athletes or whatever to go to get into the, into the category. Well, You're my like, brother, brother was 28, so I probably shouldn't say, so I probably shouldn't say that. But I don't think it, I, what I think the problem is, is there's intense blood doping in every sport. There's intense equipment cheating in every sport that equipment's required for. I know shit now about skeleton that literally is a Enough for a pretty decent expose. If anyone gave a shit about skeleton, no one gives a shit about skeleton. But like the sports, it's so dirty. There's so much money at stake. There's so much pride at stake. You got people cheating left and right. There's nothing that can be done unless I don't know how to. I don't know how to fix it. Every sport is filthy. Wow. Every single one. Have you tried blood doping? No. Do you have a sponsor to clean up? Do you have a? Do you have a? Uh... I do. The, the, the entire fiery four brought to you by three guys from Italy restaurant. What do you got to know their names for? What's it to you? You like the food? Shut up and eat. <laughs> I haven't tried blood doping, but I would definitely. Uh, I'd definitely be open to it. Anything to make yeah. me funnier. You know why? I, why I would like it? Because I would imagine you lay on your back and other people do it to you. Which is, uh, quite frankly, sucks for me. Now, I understand you may have a pop quiz for me. Is that the truth? Do you have anything? You got any questions? Yes, I've got four questions for you. Four? First, Ooh, brother. This is going to be a tough one. Pop quiz for- from Alex Edelman. Noted millennial stand-up. I like this kid. Okay. Fire away. Let me see what I can do. Who, what is the least important sport in the United States? I know it's hard for a man doing the speed fishing championships yes. of America, but what's the least important sport in the United States? Least what can we lose? Sport. What, what can we, we lose? lose? Off of like major sports or any sports? I'd say, let's say, let's keep it relatively major. Relatively major. What sport could we lose? Oh, brother. I'm going to have to go. Uh, oh, brother. Man, that's a tough one. That's an entire region of the country I cannot afford to lose. So let's shift gears and go lacrosse. Oh, man. You can definitely afford to lose a few frat bros. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Lacrosse. Uh, I mean, fun game, uh, you know, on some level. Uh, fun game for the kids who uh, who want to swing, who need a, a what, what do they call it? A force equalizer. Yeah. So you put a stick in their hands, and uh, but they don't have the talent to skate. So you put them out there on a lawn and let them fire away. You know, for like high school maybe, but I don't think we need professional lacrosse. Sure. What's the correct answer? I know. I think I think lacrosse is up there. I was gonna say. Oh, now I now I'm not comfortable saying golf, but I was gonna say golf. Ah, <laughs> uh, you can say it. I was Go gonna say it. golf. I was for it when Obama was president, and now I'm against it. <laughs> well, here's where I think would uh would before we get to pop quiz question number two. Uh, here's what I think could save golf is if they combined uh, with cemeteries, and at least we save the land. Plus, you know, you could get a kick off a headstone. Boom! That baby's on the green. It was headed OB. Thank you, Mr. Myers, for that. <laughs> Dead 1875, helpful 2018. Oh, man, exactly. A, a person who's been dead a 100 years could help you around. And that tip brought to you by Throwbacks, the e-cigarette you light with a match. Sure. Question number two. How old is too old to bring a baseball glove to a baseball game as a fan? 15. 15 is too old. 16 is not okay. 
16 is not okay. Wow. Lose it at 15. Wow, 15 years old. Yeah, when you start to go swing, leave the leave the mattress baby at home. Leave that leave that old puffy so thing you at home. You got to catch it with your bare hand if you're in the stands, yeah, huh? If you're a man, come on. Sure. Grab it. All right. Why? I'm taking a yes on that. So far I'm I think I'm 2 and 0. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. I think I think I'll I'll give I was going to say 18, but I'll give you uh I'll I'll give you 15. Yeah, think about yourself at 17. You really want to bring it though. Mm-hmm. Especially nowadays. You know, one of those one of those freakazoid fans comes at you with an Oakland Raiders hat on and he's wielding a mace from sure. from the 1700s. Yes. Yeah, the glove's not going to do any good. Okay. Who was baseball's most colorful manager? I'm asking a lot of subjectives today. Yeah, baseball's most colorful manager. Man, that's a tough one. I'm going to, you know, a lot of people would say Leo DeRocher going back a ways. Mm-hmm. Super racist, suspended for being racist yeah. in a time when racism was a mandatory requirement to get and, through the gates. And yet wildly entertaining. Mm-hmm. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I would say probably, I'm going to go underdog for you here. A lot of people would say Tommy Lasorda. I'm going to go Earl Weaver. Ooh, that is such a good answer. I will accept that 100%. Thank you. 3 no, I can't lose now. 3 and okay. This one's a bonus one. All right. See what I can do. Man, I'm cleaning up. I was going to ask another su- ever. I was going to ask another subjective. No, I think <laughs> Go I got to ask an actual. I would expect nothing less. <laughs> okay. Come on, you did a show in Edinburgh for sure. Christ's sake. We're All off right. in concept land. Let's Here's do a this more right. a match. I know Jim, you know, I know you don't get this kind of uh this kind of stuff from Costas. I know it gives you real, <laughs> That's right. real shit. Nothing from Costas or Jimmy Pardo. But I'm more or curious about between. your opinions. I want to know. All right. Okay. It's a tough one. He's thinking on this one. Yeah. He's got okay. This one written down. Yeah. How? Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. All right. What was the? Wait I've got second. an answer this, in my head. This pause brought to you by Motor Boats, the restaurant that's just a little more fun than Hooters. Go for it. Question. <laughs> All right. What's the most dramatic walk-off moment in sports history? I've got one picked out. It's got to be Kirk Gibson just because of the fist pump. That's game one. Yeah, admittedly. And yet, uh, tremendous moment. Um, I'm going old school. All right, go for it. 1960. Oh, wait a second. Are you talking uh, Bobby Thompson, the shot heard around the world? No, Bill Mazeroski. Oh, Mazeroski, Pirates, sure. Game seven against the Yankees, walk-off, yeah. home run. To end the game seven, is did Joe Carter, Joe's Carter was game five, six yeah, or something, something right? like that. That's back when they uh, let Canadian or teams Bobby in the Or Bobby Orr's goal in 1970. I'm going to do this. I don't know if we if I can, because uh, it involves swear words, and I usually don't swear. But Oh, uh, sorry for cursing. Oh, no, that's all right. That's all right. That's all right. But uh, I heard a great anecdote about Johnny Most. The uh, former play-by-play guy for both, I believe, the Bo Sox and, and the Bruins. The, yeah, that's right. And uh, they were tied. I, I, I'm guessing the Canadians or something like that. And uh, uh, Bobby Orr got the puck, and the call went something like this: "There's, there's Bobby Orr. He steals the puck. He's on a breakaway. Jesus Christ! He hit the fucking post." Oh man! <laughs> Have you know that Johnny Most something about his pants? No. Johnny Most smoked a cigar through every game, and uh, and he dropped a cigar into his lap. And I'm not kidding. He kept calling the game because he thought, I forget about it. I'll go out. And I, you can find it online. He goes, oh, God damn, my pants are on fire. I'm on fire. I'm on fire, ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, it was a Chet Waterhouse moment for the ages. 
I'm on fire, and this is Corduroy. It's going to go up fast, folks. <laughs> Stick around for this. Man, oh, man, what a great time. This was a pop quiz uh, brought to you by, uh, let's see, Pop Cares brought to you by High Fructose Corn Syrup. Don't worry. Something worse will come along. My guest today, the amazing uh, Alex Edelman. Uh, if you get a chance, catch him anywhere he may be playing. He's a tremendous stand-up comedian. Follow him on Twitter, at Alex Edelman. What gigs you got coming up? I'm in, uh, I'm in Boston, my hometown, Laugh Boston, in July. Uh, second to last week of July. Please come along to that. I'm at Zany's Chicago and Bumbershoot in Seattle in September, and I've got some dates around Los Angeles in June. I put them all on my Twitter, at Alex Edelman, please. Go out, follow him on Twitter, the whole thing, at Alex Edelman, or you can watch him on your phone. He actually works on the phone because his words are funny. You don't have to see some weird thing he does with his nose. Follow me on Twitter at Chet Waterhouse. Follow my buddy at Real Jeff Cesario. Thanks for listening without you. I'm just talking into a can, so so spread the word. Hey, speaking of spread the word, have you checked out the big podcast with Shaq lately? Have you heard Shaq on this thing? Shaq's incredibly entertaining. And uh, it's uh, Shaq and the team. They talk basketball, sports. Not all about just sports. He talks pop culture. He talks that uh, that stuff, yeah, that patch that you put on you. He talks movies. Movies, music, whatever's happening, and uh, maybe even a little gossip. Uh, believe me, a seven foot two guys could in. Uh, they can get into Chawn over the backyard fence just like anybody else. Some of his guests have included Chris Weber and Rob Gronkowski and Robbie Riggle. I got to get him on the podcast. Man, I love Rob Riggle. Make sure you check out the big podcast with Shaq every Monday exclusively on Apple Podcast, the Podcast One app, and PodcastOne.com. And boys, if you want more of me this weekend. That includes you, Alex. I'm in Washington, D.C., calling this week's Trump termination sprints. Rudy Giuliani versus Scott Pruitt. Not since Big Daddy Don Garlis versus Tom the Mongoose McEwen have we seen this kind of tension. Who will it be? Let's strap in and see. This is Chet Waterhouse reminding you to play with pain.